Welcome to another episode of Faye Watch. We're your hosts, Rachel, Will, and Dina. Hey. Excited to have you back. For those of you who are keeping track, yes, this podcast is called Faye Watch, and no, we're not really watching anything. <laughs> and no, our book doesn't have Faye in it. Yeah, you never know. We're only on book one. You never know. Could be book two. An important clarification. We're getting so many comments in the inbox, <laughs> so many questions from our yeah, all the listeners. The paparazzi will not leave us alone. Yeah. Exactly. Our army of listeners. <laughs> We've been getting so many emails. Gmail, our Gmail storage is full <laughs> on faywatchpod at gmail.com Ooh, nice is that native advertising <laughs> i don't know yeah for our email you should email us by the way say hi Do it. yeah i want to know your say thoughts and theories all of it so i think we should just get into it yeah it's tournament time let's go let's get it yes. let's see what flavor of tournament we're gonna get yes and this is an exciting day because we're gonna get into this tournament and what, pray tell, is a fantasy novel with a human girl heroine without a tournament? I mean... Nothing. You know? Can't have it. It's like peanut butter without jelly, <laughs> which is actually pretty good. But whatever. Anyways. Uh, Will, why don't you take it away? Happily. We left off last time. Uriah had done her wee little blood sacrifice to Neaxia, this god woman whatever and gone to bed <laughs> but she didn't get a good night's sleep because she wakes up and hears this crack and oh shit realizes things are going down before we kind of move on to that the book has these series of interlude flashbacks i guess the prologue was technically one so maybe you would call this like our second so there's a there's a brief flashback to when Oriah had just been brought back to the House of Night. She is like hiding in the corner of her new fancy room. Her bed is as big as her previous shared room, but she is understandably terrified because she's a little girl in a castle full of vampires. So she's like wedged between a dresser and some corner. <laughs> she apparently stays there for like three to four weeks while daddy night king just like sits in the corner and doesn't acknowledge her existence at all my knees are hurting just thinking about that yeah <laughs> and she like gets hungry which is fair and then he's like oh this is my time to engage her in conversation which when you think about it is like you know we're kind of already getting the like i'm gonna deprive you of like things and then you will become dependent on me vibe Mm. He sort of like lays out his philosophy of life for humans, which is that everyone is untrustworthy. Everything is unsafe. If she ever believes she's safe, she will die. And the only person who will be honest to her is him because he's given her like the harsh truth. And he will also be the only person who will ever be safe for her. So I don't think, you know, nothing manipulative about that at all, certainly. Right. I was going to say, like, well, what do we think about this parenting style? <laughs> I will say, as somebody who grew up with a dad that tried to get them to read The Gift of Fear, like, every other <laughs> week. What is that? What is that? I don't exactly know, but I think it's a book about how you should be scared more of the time. And you should... Trust oh. your instincts when you're scared, but I think it's meant to either contribute to existing anxiety or, you know, 
cause a child to develop anxiety. So I am just going to say that I'm not a fan of this parenting style based on perhaps my own experiences. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'm kind of torn because it's like, I guess if it is a world of deadly vampires, like you should be up front. But I agree. He was like a little manipulative. Anyway, that was just kind of like a little flashback that happened. The real kind of drama gets started shortly. So we have this like crack. It seems like she is somehow being like transported, teleported. And indeed, she like comes to in this like pitch black place. Like there's no light. Which for her is a bit of a problem because like the vampires have night vision and she doesn't have night vision. But she like sort of she's a bit of like a Nepo baby. So like she kind of like already knows everything. And she's like, oh, like I must be in the moon palace. The moon palace being where everyone does their little competition while they're here. And she sort of like has a plan. She and Vincent have already talked about. She's going to go to the tallest tower where there's like ideally going to be a bunch of windows and sunlight. And that way she will at least be safe from other vamps during the day. Can I just say, if she is a Nepo baby and her dad's super rich, like, is there, are there no like night vision goggles she could have gotten? I feel like that's a huge disadvantage. Yeah, it does seem like a big disadvantage. And actually, that's a perfect segue, Dina. Thank you, because the next thing that happens is she tries to reach for her trusty daggers and she cuts her hand on them because she can't see shit. And this is a big oopsie because she smells like blood. And I think vamps, we get the sense, are shark-esque in this way. And they just like, they can't stop once they start smelling your blood. As a side note, I am hearing you talk and I'm now wondering what the hell she did when she was on her period every four weeks growing up. Not not addressed, actually, in this book. Not addressed. Wow. SJM would never. SJM would never. I need to know what were her policies around menstruation and survival. Anyway, go on. If this was SJM, we'd be getting a blow by blow of the specifics of this issue. And I just want to note that. That's a great flag. Carissa, if you're listening, we implore you to fill in this giant plot hole. More menstrual details. Yeah. And Will, I know you're personally really invested in this. I'm so pro-menstruation. Or is that bad? (laughs) (laughs) I think we know, you know what? I think we really appreciate the sentiment. Our our boy boss ally. true ally. So she's like... Fuck, I cut myself, but like plan's a plan. I'm going to just find some steps and I'm going to like make my way up to the tallest tower. As she does this, she starts hearing some screams and some shouting. And in particular, one that sort of cuts through the rest that she realizes is our girl, Alana. No. No. So she is like full hero mode, I would say at this point. So she starts running because she needs to go try and find her and save her and see what's happening and when she does she kind of like gets grabbed like a strong grip stubble scratched her ear and a voice Mm. says they're dead so like you'll also be dead if you go she has no idea who this is she is still very concerned about alana so she stabs him in the thigh which is an important detail we'll get to Mm -hmm. later and sprints toward the sound of alana screaming which can i just say this is like anytime i read these books 
I'm always hyper conscious now of the fact I think when I was like a little kid, I was like, oh, like, I don't know if I was in this situation, maybe like I would also be brave. But now that I know myself much better, I would like convince myself that wasn't Alana screaming and just sort of like (laughs) continue on my merry way. You know, I think self-knowledge is important. Right. I think I think you were built for a softer life, and that's okay. I was definitely built for a softer life. <laughs> anyway, she ignores the advice from the man with the stubble scratching her ear and sprints towards the sound of the screaming. Along the way, she, like, stabs another vamp woman. It's kind of like maybe a good sort of just, like, advisory for people is, you know, the action is, like, fun to read but, like, hard to talk about. So I feel like in this podcast, we're probably going to, like, breeze over like the fighting it's just like oh we're breezing and honestly speak for yourself because i don't really enjoy reading the action parts very much i'm always like yeah no i don't even really either because presumably i know what's gonna happen so <laughs> yeah it like has to be there but like meh. I will say often, yeah, rachel flip a few pages make sure everybody's okay then go back and, and read it So anyway, she stabs this other vamp who's a woman this time and then sees a glimmering light and like kind of runs off to it. And this was, I think, like one of my favorite parts because she stumbles past this glimmering light and she realizes she stumbled into a greenhouse, which is just Mm. exactly the vibe I want for my life. So she sort of just like spends the rest of the night there. I mean, I guess maybe just to make it explicit, greenhouse pretty ideal for daytime protection from vampires who can't be in the sun. And when the sun does rise, we see it not only is it a greenhouse, it's like a chic ruined greenhouse, which is only like Mm, more atmospheric in my opinion. And she decides like, okay, now that it's daytime, these vampires are probably going to be asleep. So I'm going to go check shit out. As she does so, she realizes this is sort of like Hogwarts. In that there's constantly shifting. Mm. Oh, like the stairs and hallways and stuff move. Okay. Yeah. So she is kind of just like poking about and then she smells rotting flesh and death, which again, because my soft boy life, I have no idea what that smells like. And I'm quite content. Hopefully we never will. Yeah, hopefully I never will, because it's quite traumatic. She, in my head, she sort of, like, turns a corner, and in a pile of, like, dismembered corpses with, like, a leg here and arm there, she finds her, like, very, very, very dear friend, Alana's mutilated corpse. Uh, R.I.P. Alana. Yeah, which is obviously, like, super tragic or whatever. Um, <laughs> Super tragic or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. And so we get like another mini flashback here, which is just like when Ariah and Alana meet at 14. She is like creeping around the castle to spy on the vampire parties that she's not invited to because Vincent is worried that all his vampire friends will try to suck her blood. A fair worry. And Alana catches her and sort of just like starts like paying her all these compliments. Like, you're so pretty. You're like so interesting. And I'm kind of like unclear to me if that's true, but it really works because Araya just is like really into Alana and they strike up this like years long friendship. But now she died, quote, a fucking animal's death. So there's that. Oof. Rough. Amongst the kind of littered limbs or whatever is like a Russian vampy boy who is like, I think, just kind of like blackout drunk off of the blood. Like he's just like kind of leaned up against the wall, head bowling. And the obvious implication is that he was involved in the massacre and 
murder of call it what it is murder of Ilana. So she stabs him in the heart and she's like, I like to watch it when they realize death was coming for them. Cool. Seems like she's doing great mentally. Yeah, she like needs some therapy, but like whatever. She returns to Alana, who is, I guess like all her blood has been drained out of her. <laughs> she lights her on fire, I think just by like lighting a match and like holding it to her skin because it's like paper dry. Oh, oh God. Do we have to get into this in detail? Oh, I'm just being, you know, I'm trying to honor the art. Ugh. Well, can we note one other thing that happens here before she lights her on fire? Yeah. Doesn't she find the scarf? Oh, she does find the scarf. That Alana had tried to give to Araya that Araya had given back to her. So she finds yeah, it. Yeah, because Alana was holding it or something. It. Yeah. so sad. Yeah. Rest in peace. Rip. Um, <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> so that's, that's sort of like her entree to the competition. And one wonders at this point if she's sort of second guessing her decision. But we don't really get that introspection per se. She, I guess, like sort of returns to her greenhouse. And when night falls, aka vamp day, there's like a kind of, in my head, it was like a spooky hymn, you know, like, like mm-hmm. a kind of like Scooby-Doo type haunted house. And like, there's like an organ playing like three notes. I was picturing it as an organ, too. Yeah. I feel like it has to be an organ. And this, like, smoky shadow trail sort of appears to, like, lead her to where everything is. And she's like, I'm not sad. I'm angry. Of course. And she, like, probably should be sad. But, like, it's fine. We're coping. She ends up in the Great Hall. And there are, like, some 50 vampires. Which I guess is, like, a number of them did die the previous night. They are from all the different houses. There's, like, the House of Night. There's the House of Shadow. There are the Bloodborne, who are sort of like the most outcasty, and they mm-hmm. have their own little clique and like a kind of tall, badass woman leading them with just like a silver braid down her back. Our sweet boy Ibrahim is there. He smiles, although now I just remember that he doesn't have teeth, so it's probably like not like the really best creepy. smile, but it's not his oh, fault. Sweet boy. You know? Yeah. And they all gather, and this is, you know, when like you get your like assignment which is always a fun part of the like here are tasks you must complete fantasy arc mm-hmm. on a balcony is sort of the little mc of the event he's like 2000 years old or something which i guess means he's been alive like as long maybe as vampires have been extant and his like the skin is pulled back he has like no hair just a really like kind of gross creepy dude he is called minister which is just like the word like the title minister but you you like throw in an ae which i feel like is a great little fantasy trick to like make something sound kind of mm-hmm. fun mm-hmm. it's like Barcelona, but fantasy yeah exactly um um in a sense <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's just like kind of their li- like their language and how they pronounce things right yes we're gonna get rid of the catalans <laughs> like, we're gonna get canceled yeah oh my god don't inform the separatists <laughs> of our podcast. I actually am for <laughs> I'm for Catalan independence just because I feel like it would be fun. And to me, it seems low stakes, which I'm sure is like another thing we could get canceled for. We're going to get canceled <laughs> twice. <laughs> By both sides. <sighs> We're so sorry to all of our Spanish and Catalan listeners. <laughs> our many, many Spanish. <laughs> we stand with you. <laughs> We stand with both sides. We stand with whichever side you personally most identify with. So he's like up there sort of presiding. Vincent and his cabinet are on the balcony as well. 
He has his little tattoo showing, his wings out, a show of force, it seems. I guess often the winners of the competition get killed by the king because like they're sort of like natural potential rivals, which again sort of made me think too hard about (laughs) the incentive structure here because it's like, okay, like I get Vincent became... I think we learned this like in the first the first few chapters. Vincent became Night King thanks to winning this trial and asking for a bunch of power right. from our girl Neoxia. Right. But like if you're gonna win and then like the king might just off you because like you can't be trusted now, you're too powerful, it sort of again makes me question why anyone is joining. But it does for me at least explain a little bit more about why Vincent is okay with her joining because if she wins and they do this little heart bond, she can't hurt him. Yes. And in fact, I think at this point, our like kind of sweet summer child, even though she grew up in like miserable, terrible world, Oriya starts putting those pieces together too. And she's like, oh, Mm. maybe he wants me to win like also so that there's no competition. I don't think she's ready to follow that through to a logical conclusion. Totally. But so we get kind of like the layout. There are going to be five trials. Each of them are three weeks apart. The rules sort of shift every, what's this thing called? A Kajari or something? Yeah. And this time the rules are, you know, they don't honestly don't seem that stringent, but it's like you have to live in the Moon Palace. It's sort of like Love Island, Bachelor, you know? Mm -hmm. Wow. Incredible comparison. I really enjoy that. Yeah. And they do in Love Island do challenges. Yeah. It's not it's not unlike Love Island. I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. A lot of broad, broad men. Broad shouldered men who who look like a who look like a wall, which is like the go-to descriptor for mm-hmm. the rest of the book. So you have to live in the moon palace. You just have to be back sunrise to sundown. Like you can leave at night, basically, if you want, but you have to be back by sunrise. And then there's sort of like a cryptic little, because I guess it's always unclear. Some years, Moon Palace, like no fighting, no killing. That's off, you know, that's off the table. Mm-hmm. Some years, our girl, Neoxia, I guess, is like a little bored. And so it is. And this year, we get a kind of cryptic quote You may defend yourself against aggressors, but the goddess appreciates the gift of blood within her trials, which is like, I wouldn't know what to do with that. No, the interpretation for that could really go in a number of directions. Yeah. So they sort of do this little spiel and then they're like, oh, let's have a feast. You got to. There's like, you know, good food. There's a lot of blood. And there's this one vampire who is sort of like frenetically poking in and out and like looking. It seems kind of obvious that he's looking for someone in particular. He doesn't find them. So he leaves. And then he comes back and screaming about how his brother has died, which again, I'm like, okay, that is like, like, I have a brother. Like, I get it's like really sad. (laughs) But at the same time, like, don't enter the death trial with your brother if you don't want your brother to die. Right. Why are both of you entering the tournament to the death? Like, I feel like only one person can win. So whatever. And you know what? This this is actually bringing another important Bachelor-based comparator, which is the refrain, we all know what we signed up for. Right. And you know what? You know what you signed up for. No, this is a fantasy suite parallel, for sure. You signed up for this. You literally gave a blood gift to be a part of this. I, I myself don't have much sympathy for this yeah it's also like the bachelor because i feel like in the bachelor they're always like i just have to trust the process but like the process makes no sense Mm. and it's sort of the same thing here (laughs) it's like you have to trust the process but like don't think too hard about the process just right but the process is like a goddess of death who is clearly bored and likes watching her children kill each other i will say that was the one thing i was thinking i was wondering like maybe if you live like 700 years or some shit you just get kind of bored and you're like 
I'll do this trial. Anyway, so this guy like comes in screaming about how his brother has died. And naturally, Oriah realizes this looks quite a bit like that vampire I eagerly killed. And so she's a little like unnerved because uh, like would prefer him not to find that out. Fortunately, at that point, enter on stage right our broad-shouldered, wavy, dark-haired vamp heartthrob, whose name we learn, I think for the first time here, is Rain. That's how we're saying it. Rain. Ashraj. That's what I said. Who immediately starts to get into like a bit of a pissing contest with this guy, Clint. He starts like taunting Clint. And as he does this, Araya realizes, oh, this is the guy who stubble scratched my ear mm-hmm. and who I stabbed in the thigh mm-hmm. and who I saw looking at the artwork. He keeps popping up. My eye keeps getting drawn to him. Oh, so funny how that happens. Wow. Yeah. And sort of similarly to last time, as Rain is like doing his little like, oh, well, like your brother wasn't that good a vampire anyway. Like you're like, you're not a good vampire either. The like curly haired woman from the previous feast, and there are many feasts in this book, saddles up to her and is like, Ugh, like, isn't this so boring? Which is my go to move at a party. <laughs> So I really liked her <laughs> from the get-go and kind of just gives like side commentary while Rain sort of like eggs this guy, Clint, on. Clint makes the rookie mistake of drawing his blade and then Rain sort of like throws him across the room, sort of ignores Clint's like pleas and his like warnings about the like cryptic rules that no one understands. And then he uses his magic ray eye beam Asteris, which is what Vincent always has, and it's supposed to be rare to just kill him. Yeah, I thought, I don't know, I guess we'll talk about Rain and this other girl vampire more, but it does seem interesting that Rain kind of picked this fight and also that that Mish is definitely trying to befriend Araya. And again, here I'm like, what are their reasons for doing this? Do they have an agenda or are they just chill and cool and they see somebody else who's chill and cool in this death tournament? And so they're like, let's be maybe friends. Well, Araya is definitely of this suspicious train of mind. But like yeah, yeah. TBD, whether that's just because of like her daddy. Yeah, her papa. TBD. TBD. The feast ends with no further. I guess that's like a lot of excitement for one feast. So it was a pretty exciting feast. Yeah. She creeps out of the castle like towards the end of the night when she hopes people are like sated from their blood and their feasting and gonna like bed down for the day because it turns out that she and Vincent have sort of like planned a meeting spot for her and him to do little confabs. Nepo baby privileges. It truly is. I like that while she's doing it, she's just sort of like thinking about the greenhouse, which is probably what I would be doing too. But anyway, so like she treks along. They meet under a bridge. Oriya, I think, is in a bit of a melodramatic mood because she's like, well, like, there's the moon palace. There's, like, the city and the castle where everyone lives. No one cares what happens here in the shadowy crevice between two worlds. And it's like, you're just meeting somewhere. Like, you're just... (laughs) Right, like, it's, like, (laughs) between buildings, there are, like, roads and pathways and and spaces. (laughs) Yeah, similarly, she's like, I wonder, like, how Vincent knew about this place, but I know better than to ask, like, more red flags there. Mm -hmm. And she's like, maybe once we become, like, Coriate, I'll be able to, like, have these conversations with him. And it's like, oh, you can't change them, no, You can't change them. No. Oh, constantly trying to earn her father's love. See, this is more, this is more fodder for Rachel's theory. His voice hurts, like, quote, an ache in the center of my heart. Like, that's like, I don't know. You know, 
I think, I don't know. I'm just kind of like other types of love exist. Well, yeah. But do they ache in the center of your heart? Yeah, we just, let's just say like, sure. It, it's not that, but sometimes it's just a little bit like, huh. That's sort of a weird way to talk about your dad. Yeah. It's yeah. like a little, huh. That's definitely true. And then she's like, honestly, I even forget like what <laughs> she lied about. But she, she says something like, I didn't even have to try to lie anymore. They came so easily. And it's like, everyone lies to their parents. <laughs> like, it's fine. Right. Like, you were a teenager. <laughs> also, you... Not me and my mom's listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But she is sneaking out like every night to go kill vampires who are citizens of her father's kingdom. So like, clearly she lies to him a lot. Yeah. He gives her some like magic human medicine and importantly a pair of like dope expensive short swords nepo baby they are curved they're impossibly light they're polished black steel they have red marks etched into them decorative smoke swirls glyphs silver hilts that look like moons and they have like poison in them somehow which i don't really understand Mm. but they do oh yeah you can like fill them up i didn't ask further questions yeah no they're pretty fucking sick and you know have taken vampires like hundreds of years to make each pair of the or hundreds of hours sorry that's a different (laughs) metric of time (laughs) yada 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 and she's like oh i feel unworthy and i thought it was like it seems weird because she was like i feel unworthy i'm human and i'm like well you should maybe feel unworthy because you're just like only getting this because your dad is king but like you don't need to feel unworthy about being a human Also, I will say, I do, I know we're, like, joking and calling her a Nepo baby, but, like, she is a human trying to survive this vampire thing. So, like, she probably needs, at a minimum, the nicest blades ever made with poison in them. So, we'll give her that. Yeah, that's fine. We can give that to her. Okay, so anyway, she's like, this I knew was Vincent telling me that he loved me. Again, (laughs) great. They sort of finish their convo. He's like, be careful, be careful, but like, you're going to kill it. And then um, he is like kind of supportive in some ways. I will say he's like, always like, you can do this, yeah. but it maybe should be like about like, you know, model UN or something instead of this. Right. But she cuts her return <laughs> close, which is like a kind of constant no stakes theme. Like she's always just getting back to the moon palace mm-hmm. right before dawn. So we'll just like assume that's what's happening moving forward. Unless we say otherwise right. <laughs> and runs into a wall. Ahem. A wall of a person because he's so broad. Ooh. <laughs> this just like becomes how rain gets described. Oh, I love running into a wall and then it turns out it's a person, like a really hot one. It's like a hot, strong, big person with like a lot of abs and like really nice arms. Yeah, I guess the longer you go being a vampire, you sort of get these like like really perfect features that seem sort of like otherworldly and he still has some like scars some like you know it makes him seem more interesting it seems and i will say i knew here exactly what was happening but we don't have to go there just to slightly brag wait what what do you mean you know exactly what was happening like, like the fact that this... his face looks so oh. different from the other vampires <laughs> yeah, because most yeah, of them are yeah. oh just the yeah. human thing polished and okay. like what that means yeah, about I him i did not to be discussed later <laughs> i thought you were like <laughs> i thought you were like there's a love interest here <laughs> and i was like oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah dina do you know we like the back cover gave that one away detective dina <laughs> no i do think we probably all picked that up yeah yep so she's checking him out he checks her out and her weapons out 
they get into some bants. He like some banter. He is like, I know you're the one who killed the vampire. She's like, get out of the way. And then we get, I think, like maybe the most important exchange of like the start of the book, like the first third of the book. Are you going to read it to us? I'm so excited for this. Thank you. Obviously, this is who she stabbed when she first got into the Moon Palace. So Rain says, I ask for an apology and I get threats. And Uriah says, I'm sorry, I didn't aim higher. And then Rain responds, a little higher or a lot higher? Ah! This is like, I, like, Guys, I don't really get it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, really, I know you wait. I, I didn't really get it at first either. <laughs> so but what what are we he just saying like, oh, you wish you'd stab me in the dick? Versus, yeah. He's basically being like, my dick or my heart. Oh no. Okay, that's not what I thought. What did you think? I think it's about how big his dick is. It's like how high up his thigh do you have to stab to get his dick? <laughs> oh, I thought he was saying, like, were you trying to like Stabbing the dick, or were you like no, trying to kill me? Because then, oh, because then, oh, she's like, "Let me pass, or I'll stab you." And he's like, "And sit." He doubles down on this, like he's like, "How much higher?" And she's like, "Dot dot dot, a little." Oh, so you think this is her being like yeah. <laughs> the whole thing was just like wild to me. <laughs> You know what they would say about Rain? He's got the chat. He's got the chat. He's a cheeky chap. He's got the chat. Yeah. I appreciate the multiple interpretations, all of which we know have something to do with his uh, considerable length. (laughs) Obviously. Oh, yeah. The length is obviously (laughs) considerable. Um, That's required and assumed. We're not going to have like an average sized like male, male member. member. We're not going to have an average size length. No. And that's that on that. So, like, unfortunately, this only takes a couple pages, and then we have to, like, get to the plot or something. Boo. <laughs> so there's, like, a new shadow summons for the first context. Everyone shows up again in the Great Hall. They're, like, kind of dripped out. The Bloodboard vamps are in their little pack still. One of them has these, like, red marks on his skin, which is not the same as an air mark. It's apparently this, like, disease all the bloodborne vampires have this is a signal he's like nearing the end of his curse and it's like kind of left unclear exactly what happens in the curse but just wait like two seconds people formed little teams not our girl Ariat, nor our sweet sweet boy ibrahim rain is with curly haired fun girl named mish mish misha do we think it's mish or misha I don't know. I said Misha, but it could easily be Misha. We could go with Misha. We could go with Misha. Let's do Misha. And like they sort of let us know, like, so I think I neglected to say this earlier, but like basically each trial represents like one part of Neoxia's kind of like tragic story about how she came to be this powerful goddess. And this first one represents her initial departure from her home with the gods, where like, I forget when we learned this, but she was just kind of like a middling, like, a lesser god. Yeah, she was kind of like a no-name deity. And she leaves like their kind of idyllic whatever kingdom, palace, whatever, and is attacked by beasts during her walk at midnight. What could possibly happen in this first challenge then? What indeed? I genuinely don't remember for the record. Well, and again, this was just in case the <laughs> previous disclosure was enough. Like, like, you know, they fight. Again, a little teleportation, black and blackout situation. 
she wakes up or like arrives and she is in this like ring which is like covered by a glass dome and there are a bunch of like kind of demons moving on all fours they're hairless they're dark gray she's in the ring with a number of other contestants and it looks like there are like multiple of these rings um we later learn they're in this like arena and people are watching because they're all like twisted fucks very gladiator very gladiator um thankfully our boy is in the same little bubble funny how how she weaves her her twisted threads (laughs) um (laughs) yeah so anyway you know there's a lot of fighting there's a lot of dying but fortunately our girl is like quite observant in the middle of death which i cannot relate to because you know when i meet a new person i'm just like kind of shocked and like overwhelmed immediately by like the social interaction that right. yeah i can't, can't remember, even remember name. my name i can't remember like anything yeah. they said in the first like 30 seconds she apparently like as her life is on the line sort of picks up that these creatures seem to be moving as like some kind of unit and she's like huh this seems like a lot like blood magic and then she's like uh-huh Maybe these are actually bloodborne vampires who have succumbed to the curse. One of them has this like white mark and the others don't. And she correctly deduces that the white mark one is like the original that has spawned these kind of like clone copies. And that's why like they can all move as a unit because they're actually like one. I think she's kind of upfront about the fact that like, okay, these vampires are better at fighting. Like I'm pretty good for a human, but these vampires are better at fighting. And like, oh, what's his name? Rahane. I forget it. Rain. Rain seems pretty good at fighting. So she's like, yo, that one with the white mark. And then she inexplicably is like, but like also I'll try. And so she like kind of dives in. She's shot with an arrow, but like fortunately Rain saves her. He looks like really hot with his like feathered wings. Oh, he does so. She realizes mm. he's like a Rishan because he has his feather wings, not his bat wings. And then he like kills the white marked demon. They all die. Woo, like great rain. We made yeah, it. Yeah. He sort of tells Miche that Misha. Misha. <laughs> it could be Miche. Miche. Misha. It could it could be. Rain tells Misha, who's in like the cage next to them, about the kind of white mark thing like this is what you need to do and while he's looking over or raya looks over and realizes that misha is wielding fire magic which apparently is weird because that belongs to a different god and specifically like a non-vampire god so it's like why is this vampire able to kind of shoot fire right because usually when the vampires are doing magic it's kind of like black dark wind magic because of the goddess of death whole thing yeah so they they like leave return like they won they survived the contest yay they like leave mm-hmm. yay. she returns to the moon palace and she immediately goes to the greenhouse because she's like bleeding from various cuts and from the arrow and she's like ugh, like these fucking vampires are gonna smell me she goes to the greenhouse and at some kind of medium amount of time later rain wanders in as well again quote he was truly a wall of a creature it's just like the descriptor only gets you so far <laughs> i do think the, the the messaging discipline is here though he was a wall <laughs> the messaging discipline is here it's like that thing where they're like okay like when you're writing a novel you just pick like three characteristics of someone and you just sort of like say them over and over so he's a wall yep yeah one one of his three <laughs> is being a wall but like figuratively anyway he's like 
comes in, they start talking, he looks up at the stars, he looks unusually raw, but then he's like back into performance mode. And Oriah observes, this was someone who cared very much about what people thought of him. She, given her past experience with vampires, totally understandable, is like, you need to get the fuck out because I'm bleeding and vampires have absolutely no self-control other than Vincent, my like daddy night king. And there's like a brief allusion to, I think, like a moment we will talk about later, which is like a particularly acute experience she's had. Right. There's a reason why she is very much like, get the fuck out. Yeah. In addition to just like the general, this is obviously a like a... Like, everyone knows vampires can get into this, like, bloodlust. And she's also, like, desperately trying to... Which, actually, I feel like we probably should talk about briefly. Like, she's desperately trying to, like, control her, like, heart rate. Because, like, they can sense her heart going. Mm. And I thought this was, like, a kind of interesting, like... Seems true of human women and humans in the vampire world. And just, like, women generally in our world have to constantly check their emotions... So that men, like shitty men, are not like mm. doing terrible things. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for speaking out, Will, on behalf of all women. I am a feminist icon, so <laughs> you're welcome. No, you are. You are, and we see that and we acknowledge. And it. I'm pro I'm pro menstruation. <laughs> unless like <laughs> unless you don't want me to be, and then it won't be. Pro menstruation. <laughs> Yeah, you you stand ready yep. for the command and then you will just serve accordingly. So it turns out that rain brings a like a wee proposition for her which is that they join teams her misha and rain for something called the half moon trial which is one of the contests it's like halfway through i think it's like the third maybe and there you explicitly are put on teams and kind of like win and fail as a team it's this like tricky strategic question because on the one hand you want someone who's going to help you survive the round but on the other hand you're going to have to eventually kill these people so it's like do you want your rival to be on your team and like learn a lot about you and i think they eventually say something about how often after the half moon a lot of people die in their sleep right they just end up killing their teammates oriah is suspicious and probably rightly so and he tries yeah. to start. He's like, yeah, we have this like beautiful top floor apartment. <laughs> that would have gotten me. Me too. A penthouse. And he starts giving her some like bullshit reasons. He's like, well, we work so well together. Like you're so like smart and impressive. And she's like, cut to the fucking chase. And he eventually says the right things. And which is one, you are a Nepo baby. And we kind of want to be like, get some of that mm-hmm. like good juju from daddy night king whatever whatever perks we can get we're here for it and you'll be like pretty easy to kill in a subsequent round so it's like a win-win for us again though i'm like i feel like there's some other agenda here. well yeah and she and she does too because she's like well like that seemed honest but i'm still gonna say no in part because like even if you are well-intentioned like that six weeks away and like living six weeks like with vampires is just like not a vibe so he having taunted her with this medicine slips it back into his pocket and as he like walks out the door is like well you have an open invitation but just so you know i could smell your blood from like halfway across the castle and then he leaves so not not manipulative 
Right. But also just true. She is not in a good spot right now. Yeah, he's being honest. He's being honest. So, but you know, she kind of has her like go-to, which is let's put my eggs in daddy's basket. And so the next morning, or I guess like the next, the like vamp morning, so night, right before dawn, while bleeding like everywhere, like stumble crawls out to her meeting place with Vincent, but he doesn't fucking show up. So she like did all this for nothing. So and rude. also didn't show up like right after she was in like the first contest and like got shot by an arrow, which presumably he saw. So like pretty fucked up. Right. He was there. He saw her get shot. Like I get that he has like important like daddy night king things to do, but supposedly she's very important to him. So she kind of like crawls back in. Right. She like she like goes to the great hall. They're like empty blood, whatever you get your blood out of receptacles yeah like empty blood receptacles but she can hear that even though it's daytime within the castle people are sort of like up and about in a you know concerning way if you were like food for them and she's like i gotta get back to my fucking greenhouse and she almost gets there when she hears a noise and this vamp who's just like starving i guess and just like so fucking like er like addicted to the smell of her blood he just like attacks her and he attacks her so viciously that they stumble into the greenhouse in like full daylight where he is just getting like rocked by the sun and he doesn't really seem to care he's in full bloodlust mode yeah he's just like out of it she like manages to kill him like just barely but receives like even more injuries and she's like fuck like i am gonna like die imminently so in this kind of like feverish blood haze like stumbles up a staircase and she just like ends up collapsing on a landing but fortunately it's the landing right in front of rain and misha's door and rain comes out funny how the moon castle works yeah the moon castle does provide and he's like kind of a little shit about it he's like oh you're welcome and like (laughs) she's like bleeding out but that's that's sort of like where we are at the end of book two i mean i'm curious like how you guys think our girl is doing so far like whether we think like this was a good decision (laughs) to enter this contest i continue to think that like she's barely managed to scrape by so it seems kind of psychotic that this was like you know someone's plan yeah like she is not like she is smart and she's like super well trained and she's observant as you said so like for human she's in the best like place she could be but like this is a vampire competition you know what i mean so like even though it's like no shade to her but this is a bad situation and this is dumb why is she doing this okay well i think that's about it for today tune in to our next episode Will Rain and Misha take her in? Will her new digs somehow exceed the cozy environs of Sheikrun Greenhouse? All to be found out later. Okay, so we'll talk to you soon. In the meantime, come say hi to us at Pod on Instagram and TikTok. You can email us at feywatchpod at gmail.com. We want to hear literally all of your opinions. Every single one. Exactly. And feel free to share our podcast with friends give us a five star review on your podcast platform of choice that'd be super helpful and we'll catch you next time bye y'all